Is it, are you experiencing the sunniest January day that Yorkshire has ever had, Rory? So there's a very strange thing happening, Steve. We, we've, we're used to a certain type of weather in Yorkshire, but today a giant orange orb has appeared in the sky. <laughs> and, and I think most people in the village appear to be worshipping it. They, they appear to be offering it sacrifices, hoping that it's, it's not malign, hoping that it is, it's here to benefit us, but we're not, we're not sure what to do. We're, we're in the process of slowly constructing an entire religion around it. I get the impression that this is the first scene in some sort of disaster movie because there's always that sense, is there not? Ooh, great wonderment, enjoy. What could this be? Oh, it's going to kill us all. Rory has the, taken on an ethereal the, quality. Like you're emerging from the shadows into the light. Yeah, it's, I'm a metaphor for death. Um, the No, I think what from what we can tell, it's being pulled along through the sky by a man in a chariot pulled by four winged horses. We're not quite sure what to call it yet. What's, what's particularly interesting is that um, Rory, who we all know from his obviously myriad television experiences, um, is you know is a good-looking chap. He is he is you know televisually ready. He it's is you know he's he's true. proportioned correctly and all that. And um, some find him you know fairly pleasant to look at. However, when he squints at the sun, he looks just as ugly and contorted as every other British person who's not used to doing it's that. It's the great equaliser. It's the great equaliser squinting at this, this giant flaming ball of mystery. They, no, I, it's just it's sunny, and I, 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 um, I find I'm actually a little bit more alert when I can see sunshine. The vitamin D makes my brain fire, so it's a, it's an, it's a more efficient way of being me to leave the blind up. Would you like me to lower my blind? No, I, I just like the idea that you're... Uh... You're prancing into February with a tan, as though you've been on a ski I mean, holiday. You're going to be around. Stephen, it's the Yorkshire sun. There's no UV. It's like the um, the heavenly equivalent of like a gas effect fire <laughs> that people have in 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 show homes, where it's not it's not even a gas fire. It's just like a picture of a, of some flames, it's a moving collage of flames. <laughs> There's no warmth to the sun. It's just bright. So, so how are the folk in Ilkley? worshipping it then because i would assume that were it to be one of the first times that they have ever seen it in a month of january that they're outside in their shorts and their deck chairs and they're they're, they're bare-chested just kind of crying at it wailing at it almost i mean it's ultimately no one's bare-chested people are i believe burning their wellies they are <laughs> building great big piles of fat rascals from betty's to to upper, offer up as a as a kind of uh, testament to the sun uh, there's there's people sacrificing trust funds everywhere uh yeah it's um it's a scene of chaos and wonderment when you when you burn the fat rascals do you actually get a temperature hotter than the ilkley sun in general fat, ras fat rascals are very, a, a, a myth betty's is a myth have, have we done this before on this podcast i think we might have done we've all we've all had the opportunity to visit a, a, a betty's queue up and essentially just get a brew that you could have done at home get a tiny sandwich for 15 quid no thank you this is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. I'm Hugh Ferris. Joining me are Rory Smith, plumber, and Stephen Wyeth, fencing company. Just my way of remembering who I need to call when we're done. The food is... I'm working my way through the, the end of a quite large packet of raisins. Because <laughs> oh, we have very badly timed this, uh, this podcast to, to take place just before lunch. So I've managed a, a coffee and effectively the breakfast detritus. It is, it is in, in many ways, for reasons that will become clear, quite fitting that, that, that this podcast is, was started so that we... And the idea was that initially that we would do it over actual food, like we would have a meal 
and talk. And then we discovered the thing where people don't like the sound of Steve eating. What was it called? <laughs> misophonia. Misophonia. So we had oh, to that, stop. Well, that, that's that's the sound of people eating. That's not the sound of me eating. <laughs> no, now. but people There's specifically not like a specific condition. <laughs> no, 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 no. People it's... object to the sound of me eating. No, you are. But you you are, were the you problem. Are, yes, you are. Evidence requirement number one. Yeah, Steve was the problem. That Steve ate too loudly, so we had to bin that bit. And then we started having a meal around the podcast, which meant that it ate up several weeks of our lives. That we'd, we'd go to Nicky's and Andy's for a for a kind of four course meal. We ate well once a month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> three, three times a month we ate adequately, and then once a month we ate well. But I remember the first time we came to we did it at, at ours in Manchester. I think I made you Hunter's chicken. You did. I'm not being funny, but I've got better things to do with my life than cook you three clowns Hunter's chicken. You occasionally pulled out all the stops. I think we, we did huevos rancheros. Yeah, yeah. twice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now, now we're doing this podcast, and I would say that it is actively getting in the way of me eating my lunch. I mean, basically, it's... Rory has put one of the most annoying and congested motorway networks in the country between him and us, so he no longer has to cook. Uh, that was part of the qualification, yeah. But although I would say that you can get to Yorkshire on the back roads, but you do have to show your passport. Uh, the football is, uh, well, it's it's us and something of an announcement. Um, you may well consider it a great delusion of grandeur, especially when we spend a lot of the time on the podcast talking about navel gazing and a lack of selflessness. But we are talking about us today uh, for this reason. Back in March 2020, football had a hiatus. And after today's show, we are doing the very same. For more than five years, almost nothing has conquered us. Well, apart from those two weeks early on when we did a best of, forgetting that podcasts are available for download in perpetuity and it's a completely pointless exercise. But even through <laughs> the celebrations of two births, one marriage and some very sad moments too, we have pretty much persevered with a weekly podcast that as of today has reached number 267 and the time has come for us to take a little break. This is our hiatus after which, do not despair, we will return. Afresh, anew, like the spring buds that will hopefully surround us if we get our act together in time. There will be some changes, though, in the meantime, to the set-piece menu family, and we impart on all those with a big month or two to come the bestest of all wishes. When we are reborn, I feel like Stravinsky's Rite of Spring should be chugging along underneath this, which is an excellent uh, uh, reference to a piece of classical music that will um, amazingly for some reason, annoy Rory. Uh, we expect... It's not annoyed and... me. It's just <laughs> totally over my head. I've no idea, no idea what you're talking about. And it also jars with some people in the same way as me eating does. Well, <laughs> no, there's nothing to describe the rites of spring like there is to describe misophonia. It just feels a little bit like you're pitching to host a Radio 3 podcast. <laughs> I did once pitch to host a Radio 3 show and uh, didn't really hear back from them. Uh, we do, when we are reborn, do expect to take something of an altered form. The extent to which that happens is, as yet... Uh, undecided. Yeah, well, we're kind of we're kind of open to suggestions to an extent, aren't we? On on what form, on what form set piece menu might take, in inverted commas, going forward, which is how <laughs> I now refer to the future, uh, because that, I'm that is an corporate. outlawed phrase. That is an outlawed the, phrase in all circumstances. Please do not say going forward. It is completely unnecessary. Just want to blue sky a little bit, to be honest, with our with <laughs> our community just as bad. to to find out what what our role is in this space. That's all the boxes ticked. Ah. <laughs> Um, Are we still friends during the hiatus, or does that get put on the back burner as well? Does, does our does our bad, badinage become revealed to be a complete and utter sham, and we don't even need to read Rory's newsletter? <laughs> as long as you subscribe and scroll to the bottom, I don't care. That's not a problem. The um, I think I think should should we still be friends? 
I mean, the, the question shouldn't be rhetorical. We should be able to answer it fairly quickly with a firm no. It, I mean, well, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but the part of Steve's actually been played by an actor for the last two years. <laughs> the, um, the, if, you, if you play a lot of our podcasts backwards, it reveals that Steve Wyeth had a fairly unfortunate fate. The, um... <laughs> and who was responsible for it as well. <laughs> But yeah, let's still be friends. We'll yes, still, we go, we'll we're still going chat. into real crime. Who killed Steve two years ago? That'd be brilliant. <laughs> so it was, what was the part in Home and Away that they just replaced the actress overnight and hoped that nobody would notice? Is that what you've done with me? That happened quite a lot in the Australian soaps. They did, the did it in Neighbours. Lucy was two different people in, mm. in Neighbours. Well, maybe I've, maybe I've got my dinner time Australian soap <laughs> operas uh, confused. Do you know what we could actually do? Is we, could, we could actually just get back to sitting around drinking coffee and eating food and not have the inconvenience of needing to record a podcast at the same time hanging over us. That, that is how, how this podcast was born, wasn't it? We, we went to the deli in Didsbury and... It's not even, and that, it's not even the deli anymore. I that's know, yeah, that's how, how much it's changed, yeah. A, a, a Manchester, a Didsbury institution has disappeared in the time that we've been wittering on about football. It's funny, I remember that first conversation that we had in what is now not the deli anymore and... A, there's such a level of kind of self-aggrandizement that we immediately assumed that that should be broadcast, like the equivalent of that conversation should be broadcast and people would listen to it. And in many ways, it's suitable in sort of a hubristic sense that, as it turns out, not very many people did want to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, do you remember we talked about getting sponsors and stuff? That never oh, happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talked about that a few times, didn't we? Or we maybe it kind of... to sponsors who said no. <laughs> or even it like said, said weighing into like a radio show and people wanting to pick it up. That also didn't happen. It turns out that four white men doing a podcast was not that original an idea. <laughs> no. Did you see the? I did see a female comedian very recently say that the collective noun for a group of men is now a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, what we would say is that uh, as we uh, journey through our hiatus, which we don't expect to be hugely long, that you should keep your set piece menu feed open. We will be dropping information and more right there in the coming weeks. What we can say with absolute contractually binding certainty is that you, our wonderful listeners, will play a central part in whatever is to come. We came up with this podcast to try and replicate the radio shows that I grew up listening to and loving, and then very fortunately working on with a snooty conversation about football thrown in around the table at the deli or not. The most crucial element to the success of anything of that nature is to have the listener's voice, your voice, as part of that conversation. Voices like... Stephen Murphy, who is in Baraboo, Wisconsin, and he emailed setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Hi, gents. I'm getting to it a few weeks late, but I wanted to congratulate Ed on his cameo appearance in SPM 263. Uh, the last few moments of that pod struck a personal chord for me, and thus I have rechristened SPM 263 The Dump. Uh, do you remember you were just about to take Ed to the tip for yes. what would for him be some sort of rite of passage and for you a necessary chore are we sure that stephen murphy wasn't just listening on the toilet <laughs> you see says stephen i grew up on a tiny dairy farm outside a tiny town in rural wisconsin our municipality was far too small and far too dispersed for most services garbage and recycling pickup for instance to be feasible so every other saturday my dad would finish morning chores and we'd load up the truck for our regular trip to the dump no trip was complete without a fistful of Oreos to sustain us for the 10-minute ride. 
When we arrived, my dad would back the truck up to the edge of an endlessly long dumpster and roll in our trash. Meanwhile, I'd eat my Oreos and stare down at the wide array of things being thrown away. Console TVs, record players, floral couches, bikes, entire play school sets. If I could dream it, it was there. But my absolute favourite part was separating our glass for recycling. It all had to be sorted by colour, clears, browns, greens, etc. Added to the already massive corresponding piles with the rest of the jars and bottles that had gone before. This was my job. And I accomplished it, as one might imagine, every six-year-old boy growing up in Wisconsin and idolising Brett Favre would. Uh, Rory, Stephen, Brett Favre is a famous quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay is a town in Wisconsin. I picked out each bottle individually, cried out, hike! And threw it as hard as I could, and in the tightest <laughs> spiral I could muster, into the rest of the pile, hoping I'd thrown it hard enough to hear a shatter. I should probably qualify that the dump was not the only adventure my father and I went on when I was growing up. For a large portion of my childhood, we were nearly inseparable. And that time together is one of the things that I'm most grateful for in my life. So a heartfelt thank you to Ed and Rory for helping me to nostalgicize some of my favorite <laughs> moments on my evening commute. Cheers and thanks for the fantastic work as always. That is from Stephen Murphy. I mean, Ed's not allowed out of the car at the tip because there's health and safety now. Uh, so it very, very clearly says, do not allow your children or dog to, to come out of the vehicle. And I should point out that often Hector comes with us to the tip as well, because uh, does, he refuses not to be kind of in my immediate presence. Ed does very much enjoy his trips to the tip. He is, it, it genuinely makes him extremely excited. I don't know what that says about him or me, but that is, that is, is basically one of the highlights of his week. They don't lose that enthusiasm for a while either, they Rory. So, you know, you could, that, that is, it's, it's a cheap weekend entertainment for, for kids of all ages. Well, exactly. Really. It, it costs like 15 quid to go to the cinema, but you can go to the tip for half an hour for free. <laughs> I've tried to instill that sense of enthusiasm in my very small son. He has been to the tip twice. He has not been aware of it. And in fact, I would say that he was as aware of it as he was of Christmas. So therefore, he likes the tip as much as Christmas. Exactly, but we, on, a, on a sort of serious, sincere and slightly self-indulgent note, I think we, we, we can't, for all of us, we can't really stress enough how, how important the audience, the, the Set Piece Menu family has been over the last few years. And as much as we enjoy talking to each other and we would spend time with each other regardless, despite the fact that there's been a pandemic and it's been quite difficult to actually see each other in person, I think it's that that's probably sustained it, isn't it? Isn't it that sense of it is people have kind of engaged with it in such a such a nice way, such a warm way. And although, yeah, our audience is is not the same as the podcast titans, it feels much more intimate and much more, yeah, like it, m meaningful, really. I suppose to than than lots of people kind of. You can have lots and lots of people listening and shouting at you on Twitter, but it, it's it's felt for a long time now like we have a very small, very tight-knit group of listeners. And I think all of us have 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 always treasured that. And it, at times, certainly after Rob died, and and I know I know I know I know for Andy as well, I think there have been times when he's had difficulties in the last couple of years that the support of this group of strangers has meant a lot. I mean the 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 amount of people who on Rob's Just Giving page donated money to someone they'd never met, the brother of someone they'd never met as a way of, of sort of showing support was, was incredibly meaningful. And I, yeah, ever since then, definitely I've, I felt a, a debt of gratitude 
to not just to you you three idiots but to the the infinitely less idiotic people listening to set piece menu and i think that's that that's something we i know we touch on it occasionally and i know we said it before but it is yeah it, that's been really really meaningful for me personally well i think from that example your ambition was i believe rory was to 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 get some woodland that you could could name in in rob's memory and instead there is now large swathes <laughs> of central yorkshire that you can't go through without silver crossing the hand of a member of the, the smith family well exactly yeah we um i mean there's giant posters of him like kim jong un the um <laughs> the which is funny enough exactly what he would have wanted the, <laughs> the um he's he very much had the approach to life of the president of turkmenistan uh just a yeah just giant golden statues of rob everywhere no there's there's two benches that 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 money went towards two benches um or the fundraising led to two benches one of which is in the nid valley near where his partner grew up and one of which is in quite close to me actually in um in in grassington and it's a really be- beautiful walk and we've been there we go there reasonably regularly uh covid regulations allowing obviously uh and it's one of the and certainly to my mum Every, every time she goes up, she sort of lingers within eyeshot of the bench and looks at people who stop. It's, it's, a, you know, it's not a busy walk, but it's, you know, it's a fairly steady flow of people. Looks at people who stop and read the inscription. And I think it means a lot to her as it does to me and to my sister to know that, yeah, just people are out for a nice walk. It's beautiful. Grassington's beautiful. It's a look, it, you're walking along the wharf. It's, it's spectacular. And occasionally you stop and you read how much Rob meant to us. And that was... This sounds like an awful charity appeal now on the radio, but that was only possible thanks to the um, to the listeners of Set Piece Menu, really. And that, yeah, that that is the kind of way that this podcast has manif has materially kind of affected our lives. But the more more important than that, even really, was just a sense that people out there cared, and that that is a really intimate thing. And that's not the only example for for any of us, but there has been that real fa- feel of it being a family for quite a long time, and that I think is why we we shouldn't stress enough that it, this is not goodbye. It's 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 kind of, it is a hiatus. It's not a forced hiatus. It's not a synonym for cancelled. It's um <laughs> it is we're, we're taking a break and we we will be back in a, in a slightly different form. Possibly a, possibly a better form, possibly a more original, more innovative form. But we will be back because we love doing it and we love being part of that family. The white middle class men have not been cancelled. Exactly. We are not victims of cancel culture. <laughs> yeah. To widespread public apathy, we are going to keep on going. Another thing about the, uh, the, the Seppi's Menu audience, and I, I hope you're enjoying that uh, we're talking about you as much as we're talking about ourselves for once, um, is the, the extraordinary ability that you have to make us realise that the conversation that we usually had in the previous week was, was missing a very important point, or certainly a point of view. And Simon Fall is, uh, uh, is next. He has got in touch via Seppi's Menu at uh, gmail.com. Dear Riyadh, Vincent, Andre and Sunday, love the show, Steve. And Hugh, Rory, and Andy, etc., and so on. That is that is a reference to Steve That's Wright, which, which is uh, something that other podcasts uh, use very regularly uh, on their output. I'm going to start with the caveat that I'm a Watford fan, although hopefully not so blinded that I'm not prepared to criticise. Uh, remember, a couple of weeks ago uh, we talked about Afcon and Eurocentrism 
of football. The narrative on the Emmanuel Dennis situation has largely been presented as very clear-cut. Dennis was a player that clearly wanted to represent his country at a major championships, he says in quotation marks, and Watford stopped him or otherwise coerced him into not going. I'm not convinced that it is quite as clear-cut as it's been portrayed and both timing of the tournament and size of the squads come into it. When it's portrayed as an opportunity to represent his country at a major tournament, it does seem very odd that Dennis would turn down that without significant pressure from the club. As you mentioned on the pod, though, he was a very late call-up to a large 28-man squad following a change of manager. The facts were a bit muddy, but there have been reports that Dennis sought assurances from that manager on the role that he was to play in the squad, and he didn't like what he heard. For a player in a major European league, playing a key role for your country in a major tournament provides an opportunity that surely merits missing a few Premier League games. The equation changes dramatically, though, if you're weighing missing up to four key Premier League games versus immediate relegation rivals against the very real possibility of being a peripheral member of a large 28-man squad who doesn't get a minute of game time. Would Connor Cody or Sam Johnson have been quite so willing to be enthusiastic non-playing squad members at Euro 2020 had it not been in the summer and meant missing key club games and interrupting the best run of form in their careers? I don't know Dennis's views and it appears a PR game is being played at some level, but it's a remarkable strategy from Watford if they're risking unsettling their top scorer by keeping him back when he was desperate to go. I agree entirely with the broader point that AFCON needs to be treated with more respect, particularly in certain parts of the European press. I do think we have to be careful though before making uh, this out to be a black and white issue in all cases. The clash of timing between AFCON and the European leagues is entirely understandable, but it does mean that for some players the question, do you really want to go, may actually be a legitimate one. That is from Simon Fall. And once again, as is traditional, we, we receive an email about a subject that we discussed for like an hour that that kind of sums it up better than we did, yeah. which I, maybe is you know one of the reasons we're going on, going on hiatus. Yeah, basically, our Zoom meeting could have been an email sent by Simon. <laughs> Thanks, thank, Simon. Thank you, Simon. Um, just 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 one of the just an example, a contem- contemporaneous example of exactly the the, the measure and the quality uh, of our audience. Rory, you were incredibly kind uh, to those who listened to us moments ago. That will change now. Oh. Because we couldn't move on without attempting to put a bow on or maybe even just draw a very firm line under the recently developed thread of listener poetry. Oh, for crying out loud. Mark Thompson says this. Dear Limerick haiku, acrostic and prose. Rory's disdain for limericks amused me. I didn't think the limerick in SPM 265 was that bad. And I struggle to believe that a podcast as intellectually rigorous as Set Piece Menu would produce listener literature of such a low standard. To ease the minds of previous limerick writers, I wrote the following. What, what, a, what a charitable act. I mm. wrote the following, which I hope scans enough for Rory's liking. There was once a pod on my phone where poems made Rory Smith moan. Poets, don't be downhearted, for truth I impart it. A Yorkshireman loves a good moan. So in attempting to be the better man and poet, Mark has proved the point that SPM listeners might be the former, but aren't the latter, because he repeated the word moan in lines two and five. Yeah, you can't rhyme moan with moan. Also, I don't think line three scanned. Uh, so thank you, Mark. But really, honestly, if you're attempting to get in touch to say that everything that preceded you was rubbish and here you are saving the day, probably a better version of a limerick without repeating the word in your rhymes. I just want to make clear, clear, though, I don't dislike limericks. It's just all poetry. (laughs) Uh, Which brings us to Christopher Orr, a buffalo who you might remember is both in Chicago and an incredibly thorough person. Um, He says this. Uh, Rory, I need your help with this. Um, It is the four muses in Greek 
poetry. No, no idea. Come on. Can you? Well, it's they're written, but I just don't know how to pronounce them. Felzinoe, Ioide, Arche, and Melete. Melete. Right. So I'm going to say I have doodled them to um, so that I can see how they're written down. Uh, but I have no idea. I, I will not pretend that I knew what they were called. Um, Felshino. Although I would point out that to me, the um, the classical understanding of the muses tripled their tri- triad and established a set of nine goddesses. That's the that's the type. I um. You're already clever. You don't need to read Wikipedia. Right. Out loud. So uh, I'd say it's uh, Ar- Arche, Melete, Ioide, and Felshinoe. Thank you very much indeed. Well, we did a pretty good job. Uh, Continues Christopher. Turns out there is quite a lot of poetry on the theme of football and not all of it is terrible. Incorrect. So, he says, I thought I'd share. First, a limerick. Soccer by Rico Lafanta. A pretty Welsh girl in Caerphilly was invited to play ball with Willie. One kick to his ball caused Willie to fall, so she thought the game was quite silly. I mean, at least it's jams. Uh, so, so Rico, whoever you are, you might be a noted poet. Thank you. And here's a prayer before the match, which is written by Paul Cookson, who is the official poet in residence at the National Football Museum in Manchester. So we have to immediately start off on a good foot with this gentleman. The footballer's prayer. Our team, which art 11, hallowed be thy game. Our match be one, their score be none. On turf, as we score at least seven. Give us today no daily red card and forgive us our lost passes as we forgive those who lose passes against us. Lead us not into retaliation and deliver us from penalties for three is the kickoff, the power and scorer forever and ever full time. I think the National Football Museum does a lot of valuable work. (laughs) But that wasn't it. Irish poet Paul Durkin's poem, World Cup 82, might be the kind of good out-of-context literature that Chinch would normally enjoy, not least because of a comment by Morris Elliott regarding how this poem, uh, in, in this poem, Durkin eroticises a major sporting event in the macho male world of the terraces. This is the penultimate stanza then. I want you to beat me 12 goals to nil. I want you to kick the ball through my net. I want you to bend me and curl me and chip me. I want to wear your shirt and you to wear mine. See, that's another problem with football poetry, is that you don't kick a ball through a net, do you? It's a net. If you can kick it through it, then the net's not working. You've got a problem. If you're going to write terrible poetry about football, you should at least have some sort of basic understanding of the game. If we're after terrible content, surely we can provide it ourselves. Yeah, why are we outsourcing the bad bits? We're not outsourcing. That would suggest a fee has been paid. And finally, Rory says, Christopher, Rory might want to consider Soccerverse, Poems About Soccer by Elizabeth Steinglass. This is for Ed in preparation for him reading classics and sports management at Oxbridge or whatever. (laughs) Classics and sports management. Uh, Uh, Thank you. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Can I, um, since we're here, since we're doing listener feedback, can I ask for someone to be made a buffalo, please? Uh, Yes, by all means. So this is... um, this is Chris Etchenham, who uh, contacted, contacted the official Set Piece Menu account. It's not defunct on Twitter uh, to, to express his disappointment at not being afforded Buffalo status in a previous episode. And he accompanied it with what I think is the greatest uh, piece of artwork. We've talked about a lot about art and bad art and terrible poetry, but this is, this is, it's a, it is a genuine masterpiece. Uh, so it is a picture, well, it's the quote, for a long time the world didn't give a shit about what teenagers thought, and that was kind of the point. Uh, attributed to Rory K. Smith, next to a picture of Jonathan Wilson. And I think the way it combines so subtly so many different themes makes it 
one of the best, possibly the possibly the zenith of all social media engagement. The the basic joke, of course, is that I think it's ridiculous when you have quotes attributed to people who didn't say them posted as though they're sort of pearls of great wisdom on social media. But that's added to the fact that he's used Rory K. Smith, which is what Gab Marcotti used to call me on the game, for reasons that, if I'm completely honest, I just don't understand. My middle name doesn't start with a K. I don't know if there's someone famous called Rory K. Smith. I don't know if Gab just liked the way it's scanned. I have no idea what was going on there. I've never really had the nerve to ask him. Uh, but that that's a, just a, it's a classy reference. The font itself, which is the sort of font that you might see Weatherspoon's advertising, <laughs> is 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 just a subtle little nod to the to the vapidity of these of these posts but the fact that he's not only attributed it to rory k smith but then put a picture of jonathan wilson on which refers to the the confusion between me and wilson is yeah it it works on so many levels there are so many levels involved he clearly has just thought of it and made it funnier with with each little step i i, I can't speak highly enough of it and i think he should be made a buffalo immediately well, I think the reason that he wasn't in the first place is because he asked a little too directly to become a Buffalo, at which point we, uh, as we have done many times, said that's not how you do it. This is how you do it. Fine listeners, what an excellent example of how to backdoor Buffalo. And that is exactly what Chris Hetchingham has become. Add that to the list, John Billingham. Thank you very much indeed. I think I got his name right this time. Uh, correspondence of any kind to setpiecemenu at gmail.com. We will end the poetry feature unless something really good comes. Um, but uh, all correspondence, your views and maybe your poetry, but less than likely, they will all remain a large part of anything that we do in the future. So for everything that has been sent thus far... Thank you. Well, and uh, also, if you have ideas about what form set piece menu might take, because we, as as we say, well, we we will be back, and it will be in a slightly different form. But you know, if if I mean, I'm reticent to really invite like criticism and feedback, but if you've got things that you'd like to be discussed, if you've got things that you think we could do, if you've got things that you'd like to have us do, not you know, not weird stuff, but if there's ideas don't, don't of be that, crushing of, any balls through nets of that ilk, um, then then yeah, send them in because we we we've got, we've got ideas of what we might do. But you know, as we've established over the course of the last five years or so, quite often your ideas are better. And if there's something that that happens in the intervening period that you believe is worthy of our musings, then we are narcissistic enough to respond to that with a, with a podcast. So yeah, fire away. Um, just before we go, considering this is something of a temporary valediction, we're going to be reflective while also being a bit silly. That feels like it would be in keeping. Over the years, we have uh, numbered each of our podcasts and I have them on a big spreadsheet. So what we're going to do, Stephen and Rory are going to take turns in shouting out a number between 1 and 267. And I'm going to reference said spreadsheet to remind us all what the title of the pod was. Then it will become clear that we have either completely forgotten or remembered based on the fact that we have at least once repeated the subject matter in a subsequent pod. So let's play SPM Pod Bingo. Theme tune. Insert theme tune. Um, so, Stephen, would you like to go first between 1 and 267? Right, let's go for a number where we were possibly first on the wane in terms of our initial enthusiasm. <laughs> 11. That's going to say 2. <laughs> uh, 11. Do Premier League teams care about the Champions League as much as they used to? Ooh. Who oh, remembers subject, talking yeah. about this? No, no, no memory of it whatsoever, but that is a good subject. That feels like a very sort of early, low-hanging fruit kind of subject for us. And it's also a reminder that 
potentially we could have just pretended we weren't going on hiatus and occasionally dropped old episodes into suitable weeks when we thought they might once again become relevant. And that sounds like the kind of thing that we could just use again at the start of March. I get the impression, Stephen, that you've drawn back the curtain a little bit too effectively there because that might be part of a soon-to-be-held planning meeting uh, for Set Piece Menu. Uh, Rory, your number? Uh, I'm going to go for my birthday, 176. Because you were born on the 1st of the 76th month of the year. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you've chosen this because this was one of my favourite episodes. SPM Draft. Do you remember that we picked teams oh that, yeah that i think universally decided that uh, uh stephen had a terrible one and chinch yeah had steve's, the best steve's, one. steve's was really bad no that 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 episode revealed how the audience felt about us individually from uh, uh, in terms of a popularity contest <laughs> you're just saying it's name i thought ID. my team i thought my team was pretty good but i was clearly revealed as as you know the audience didn't hadn't warmed to me and this was a way of firing a shot across my bow and that was what do you remember hugh that was when we, when we replaced him with an actor <laughs> yes that was the, the audience fired a shot across his bow it unfortunately killed him and okay, we have done a lot of over the course of the last few years we've done a lot of market research into the seven or eight people who listen to work out what they really want which is why we we recast steve as somebody else and why chinch midway through i think like midway through episode 93 had that massive personality change Stephen is now played by an actor called Adrian. Or are you, in fact, just Terry Hardcastle? Uh, Stephen, a number? 83. 83. 83 was part of our People Who Helped Shape Modern Football summer series. This was part three, Arsene Wenger. I think was, that was mine, wasn't it? I think was that, that was yours? One, yeah. one that I waffled on about. That was a good idea. That, was, yeah. that got us through a summer. What, what year was that, 2018? So that would have been 2018, yes. Yeah. We kept Post talking World about Cup. doing that again, didn't we? And then for whatever reason, didn't. Well, we didn't because of coronavirus, Stephen, in that oh. uh, the last two summers have been a little strange, to say the very least. Well, yeah, but also, it's, we bear in mind that in 2018, we didn't know that we could record this podcast over Zoom. That, that is true. And we, we spent a long time sitting at my dining table talking mm. about four characters who we felt had helped shape modern football. That is numbers 81 to 84, if you are a new listener. Uh, Rory, a number? Uh, number one. Oh, really? What was our first ever episode about? Our first ever episode was, is the Premier League the best in the world? Which is something that we actually referenced last week to a certain degree when talking about Serie A. But mm. it's it, trying yeah. to set the stool out about uh, set beast menu in a very a very cool twenty six minutes or whatever it was, and um, that we would like to try and upset the kind of thinking that is accepted but not necessarily scrutinised in the way that we felt that we could. Does that does that sound pompous enough for it's a pitch for a podcast? It is enormously pompous, but I think we've probably to be fair, I think we've probably done that. There's been a, this this is now extremely. Um, self-promotional but I, I do think that over the last few years there have quite often been things we've talked about that that then the BBC or others have ripped off for their own podcasts yeah we've we've fulfilled our brief probably better than some long-running tv series that have had five seasons if you equate five years to five seasons and also shows you beautifully how things change because I think at the end of that first episode we deduced that actually the Bundesliga was the best league in the world. And last week, five years on, we decided that actually it was Serie A. 
It's interesting, isn't it, that largely we decide the best lead in the world is the one that, that the original Steve Wyeth, not the actor, um, <laughs> commentates working. on. It's working on at that particular time. <laughs> yes, exactly. For the three years that uh, Syria was away from our television screens on BT Sport, not a mention of it, not even once, by either Steve, Adrian or Terry. I haven't got enough time in my commentary prep week to look into leagues that I don't cover. Uh, we'll do one more. Stephen? Uh, let's bring it a little bit more up to date. Let's go 213. 213 was pragmatism, which is a fascinating conversation uh, where we tried to not use the word pragmatism in the way that it is always used. And I think failed because I mm. definitely think since then mm. I've used the word pragmatic completely incorrectly. Oh, we can't underestimate the number of lessons we haven't learned from this podcast. <laughs> uh, can I do one, one more? Uh, yes, we'll have one more each. So this is the last one. Uh... 44. Let's go back into the first year of the podcast. Number 44. Is it getting easier to play away from home? That is a question. I don't know if you did this deliberately, Rory, but that is a question that is perpetual. Well, it certainly is, and it actually became a lot more re relevant after I launched a, um, a, a respiratory disease pandemic to find out the answer. <laughs> That's market research for Absolutely. you, and it's been mighty effective. Could, could I have done that if I'd been on a more popular podcast? No. No, you just simply wouldn't have got away with it. The Daily Mail would have had your guts uh, for garters. Um, so there we go. That is the first ever version of SPM Pod Bingo. Talking of bingo, here's an email from Miles Cottier sent just last month. Dear The Rock, Face Off, Con Air, and National Treasure. Long-time listener, third-time emailer. I promise I'm not bitter that you haven't read me out yet. It's probably that I tend to ramble and make almost no coherent points whatsoever. I'm sure that's not true, Miles, but I can't remember, which might be the problem. Firstly, thank you for keeping me entertained all year, and congratulations for making it to the top of my favourite podcast list. No, you don't get an official award, but I can grant you all my own personal Gruffalo status. Yes, it is absolutely worthless. And yes, I wish to avoid any legal dispute. Now that part is important when you consider what follows immediately afterwards. Anyway, to the crux of my email, says Miles, having listened to the show over the past two years, I've noticed a few minor regularities within episodes, little habits that make the show as good as it is. So I have made and attached a bingo card for us listeners to use at the risk of someone else having done this already. I encourage listeners to expand upon this card with things I may have missed. And if we get an episode where everything is ticked off, I grant all the listeners my worthless personal Gruffalo status uh, too. That's Miles from Oxford. So at this point, Miles will now be hearing from legal representatives of Mark Cole, who is a Buffalo, who has sent, I think almost annually, or at least seasonally, a bingo card for us to share with our listeners and Twitter followers. So at the risk of encouraging open warfare, particularly as we duck out for a short while and let the melee take place without us, uh, here are some of Miles's highlights. Mark, if you've got a problem with them, I'm sorry. Uh, Rory says, to an extent. Oh, I didn't know about that one. Okay. Seven caps. Yep. Tpublic.com reference. Tpublic.com remains available for you to buy set piece menu And it now has an added kind of cachet in the sense that it's it's something it's it's kind of retro, it's yep. a, it's it's kind of a it's a formative thing for you as a person. So it's yeah, maybe spend more money there. Yeah, SPM 1.0 merchandise is available at tpublic.com. Just search for set piece menu. Um bad, and by that I mean great, says Miles. American accent. 
Steve talks about being on the gantry. Steve mentions Burnley. Two <laughs> different boxes in this bingo card. Slandering another sport gets in there. Self-deprecating chinch, of course, should be in there. A listener that disagrees with Rory. That's a recent addition, which I'm very pleased yeah. makes the grade. And just, um, just to be absolutely clear, it is not because Hugh started reading out loads of of emails that disagree with what I think that we're doing on hiatus. That's not, they're totally unrelated. Do you think the listeners have always disagreed with Rory, but it's taken time for them to grow in confidence <laughs> yes. enough to bring it to, to our attention? I think what's happened is we have a core listenership who are right-minded individuals and have slowly over the years been worn down by the, the relentless accuracy of my logic. And we, we've got some newer ones who aren't quite... You know, they remain un, 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 unreconstructed. They're, they're not so much people as mounds of clay waiting to be shaped, and they're slightly resentful about it. Are you sure they aren't just teenagers whose opinions we shouldn't give a shit about? Yeah, I mean, if they're teenagers, we, we genuinely, yeah. No, that's not true. Teenagers who listen to Set Piece Menu are clearly wise beyond their years. We, we care about their opinions. Um, Klopp slash Guardiola reference gets a box. Buffalo request not granted gets a box unless you do a really cool meme that like uh, that Rory likes. Uh, Hugh says and indeed when making another point, which is something that I'm wont to do mainly because I don't think of the point until somebody else has just made a slightly different version of it. Uh, Rory monologue, of course, uh, that would be the first one that's ticked off. Well, that's <laughs> not really a bingo thing. That's just part of the podcast. <laughs> it's a regularity. That, it's do you think that the other three could get like an hour's worth of content a week without me banging on about something for ages? No, it's but that pro- is why it is an hour. It's a production decision so the rest of us can get a coffee. Uh, food <laughs> is actually eaten on air, which is something that I think happened up until about episode 150 and then it stopped for two and a half years. Because of Steve being noisy. <laughs> Um, Hugh knows music, which is something that I've actually, uh, unbeknownst to me, already proven today by mentioning Stravinsky's White of Spring. Uh, Miles, thank you very much indeed. Mark, thank you very much indeed. You can argue amongst yourselves. Keep your correspondence coming to setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Please don't unsubscribe. Please don't unshare, as we humbly ask you to keep a little window open in your podcast schedule for us to return to. Thank you to Stephen, to Rory, and of course, love from us and you to Chinch. Thank you to all of you for listening. We will be back. We will be back with another set piece menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed. And we'll still be here on social media. If you need us, get in touch. We are still existing, just not uh, in this current format. And think about how nice it'll be when, at some indistinct point in the future, you suddenly see the questionable logo of set piece menu that I actually wasn't my design choice uh, appear in your in your podcast feed again. They think of the excitement. So everyone needs a break sometimes. Everyone needs a breather. I would also recommend that if anybody would like to get in touch that has massively deep pockets, some sponsors for the relaunch would be nice. We could blackmail well, no, our wealthy no. listeners maybe saying that we won't come back until they give us cash. I think, I mean, I think we, we, we've done this for long enough to know that no one's going to pay for it, <laughs> Hugh. That's the problem. You set such a high level for free. People say, well, why? Why would we pay for it when we know how good it is for free? That's true. We, we could have done Substack, couldn't we? Or we could have just been substandard and then say, or, get better content, but pay for it. <laughs> or Twitch. We could launch a Twitch channel. That uh, could we, be a, an avenue for us. Do you know any teenagers who could help us no, do that? <laughs> no. And also, we're, we're very old, so wouldn't be welcome on Twitch. Ooh. Steven, the music. Thought it'd be nice to play us out with the right of spring. Is this, is that, Hannah, do we have to pay Stravinsky? No, he's very dead. Is he very dead? What about his estate? I'm not entirely sure the person who did this recording would be able to tell. So we should be all right.
I have suggested actually that for the um, for the relaunch that Hugh writes some theme music, puts his money where his mouth is. Well, first of all, not sure where the money comes in. Oh um, yeah, we're not paying for it. Maybe we just have the right of spring as our new theme music if we return in the spring. Uh, what? And then if we return in the summer, we have summer loving from Greece. <laughs>